Hey everyone, welcome to Rally Caps, a podcast for the creative entrepreneur building a business for the long haul. Today we are joined by our friend John Branch, the fourth J-B-I-V. John is a phenomenal wedding and portrait photographer of six years based out of Raleigh, North Carolina. And like many small business owners in 2020, John's wedding business was pretty uh, hurt by the cancellations, postponements, and all the uncertainty. But that didn't stop him from having a phenomenal year where he focused his efforts on YouTube, amassed just over 50,000 new subscribers, and turned his channel into his primary source of income to support his family. So now he's able to flex on literally everyone as a new Fujifilm ambassador, is a low-key musical genius, and was recently named the most stylish wedding photographer of 2020 by Junebug Weddings. Is that all correct, John? Uh, we'll just we'll leave it all to mystery. Most of that is correct. <laughs> we'll let you figure out which one is the fake. Ooh, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Playing two truths and a lie now. This is kind yeah. of fun. <laughs> you got to start every episode like that now. <laughs> man, but, but um, yeah, that's oh, me. Man. Hello, welcome. Really thankful for you to come on, man. I know, like we've been internet friends over the past four years after meeting each other in real life was it 2017 2018 oh my goodness at workshop? i can't even remember yeah oh man it was basically was half it? a decade yeah, it was ago 2017 16 yeah. somewhere in there yeah and just good old workshop yeah right out the o's yeah <laughs> <laughs> work too, too hip to quit <laughs> <laughs> I love that workshop. It was so cool. I feel like I met so many awesome photographers there and it really just kind of put the lane of wedding photography really on me and made sense mm -hmm. after going to workshop. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can only imagine after having all of the jobs that you've had and we'll obviously dive into. It's kind of interesting hearing that perspective from you to kind of change that direction into like what you're currently doing but yeah we'll uh we'll definitely dive into all those different uh, you know dozen things you've done <laughs> with your career so far <laughs> and you're you're kind of killing it on all fronts and you're doing so much cool stuff right now but to rewind a little bit i actually didn't know this about you until recently but you worked at squarespace for like five years that's yep. incredible. What made you want to work for Squarespace in the first place? Uh, so let's see. At the time, I was always pretty big on tech in general. Um, and I don't know, Squarespace was such a cool company. I'm really attracted to companies that are super aesthetic and everything about them has to look good. And that mm -hmm. came from when I used to work at Apple. Um, and I had a friend actually who quit Apple and she got in contact with me and was like, hey, Squarespace is happening. You need to get in here. Um, and yeah, I was just like, this is great. This is awesome. Aesthetic is my thing. <laughs> um, and yeah, kind of started out as like entry level customer service and then moved up to a manager. And it's a good five years. Learned a lot. I started my wedding photography business while I was at Squarespace as well. Mm -hmm. um, so Squarespace actually sustained me before I was able to go full time. Okay, cool. And, and now... Squarespace is a sponsor on your channel. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's so it's like all full circle. circle. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cool. I like hit up some of my old friends who are still at Squarespace. Okay. And I'm like, look at there now. But now I'm sponsored. <laughs> is that how you... They're like, still giving me money. <laughs> did you reach out that way? Like, is that how you got your foot in the door? I like... Because Chris Chu, he like joked about, he's like, I'm waiting for the Squarespace, Squarespace skates to open. <laughs> like, to have the sponsorship <laughs> yeah. on the channel. <laughs> 
Everyone's always asking, like, how do you get those going? You know, it's like the grail. Yeah, I never. I don't think I reached out. I think they ended up contacting me at some point. Makes sense. Um, And it was perfect too because I had wanted to do a more in-depth video on Squarespace and building a site, and I had just been Mm -hmm. putting it off and putting it off, and then finally they were like, "Hey." And I was like, oh, hi, friend. (laughs) I know you. I don't, unfortunately, no one who I used to work with while I was there in marketing was still Still there. there. So I didn't know anyone directly because that would have been great if I would have been like, oh, hi. And they were like, what? (laughs) But um, yeah, they reached out to me and I kind of plugged that I used to work there, but I don't think they really cared. (laughs) Yeah. But that big of a company. Yeah. Um, Well, you, you dove deep into your how much YouTube paid me in 2020. Uh, video, which I'm a big fan of. I love doing those. I love seeing those. I yeah. I love the transparency. It's like, honestly, a lot of YouTube for me now is feels very redundant. And the things I gravitate most to are just people being as transparent as possible, improving the transparency with talking about things that are pretty uncomfortable to talk about, <laughs> like money. Yeah. Um, uh, so could you, could you just talk a bit um, about your motivations of branching dad jokes <laughs> into youtube <laughs> yeah <laughs> so youtube for me it, it was kind of a long time coming type of thing i actually had a youtube channel back in 2006 2007 hmm. so like the golden years of youtube yeah yeah Cats. but I, I messed up because i didn't take it seriously um it was a music production channel so i focused on like making oh, hip-hop cool. beats and sampling my biggest twist on it was Ableton Live at the time was kind of newer and everyone usually mm. used it for only live stuff. But I was like, hey, you can sample hip hop tracks and make beats on Ableton Live. So I curved my little niche, kind of put it in there. Um, so I was kind of doing that, not seriously, kind of made a little bit of money. It was like I'd get a check every couple months. So then I stopped. And then um, I'm just, I'm gonna tell you the whole story. I'm gonna go on for it. When I was at Squarespace, um, my wife got pregnant with our first child, and I was like, okay, yeah, we're pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) I know that feeling. She was like, oh, I want to stay home with the kids. And I was like, okay, cool. That's great. Well, I need another job. And she was like, no, you need to start a business. And I was like, oh. Oh. (laughs) So that's when I started taking photography seriously. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. Okay. So I I can, I'm decent at photography. I could probably make money with it. And while going into that, it was also like, hey, you still have YouTube. And actually, the real reason I got into YouTube is because I was trying to get hired at HoneyBook. Because <laughs> no I had way. this I had this idea of um, making videos for companies for their like uh, their knowledge bases. Because I was mm-hmm. doing that at Squarespace a little bit as mm-hmm. well on their video team. So if you go back to my first videos, you'll see it's very like very corporate like, here's HoneyBook. Yeah. Let's learn how to use HoneyBook. Yeah. <laughs> um, and after that, didn't go anywhere. And I actually interviewed with them two or three times, and I never got hired, which is funny because they love me. <laughs> and when I went and visited them, uh, like last, not like, like 2019, I visited them, and they were like, what, you applied? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You missed but that, that was one. It was actually good they didn't hire me because that's what got me to go into YouTube. And then I was like, you know what? I'll just do it, whatever. And then I had a video blow up. And then I was making money and I was like, oh, <laughs> I guess I'll keep doing this and just kind of rolled from there. So it was it was natural. I already had YouTube in my blood because I had been doing it in the past. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that video that blew up was, uh, it was like a seven tips for getting into wedding photography, something like that, right? 
Or was that like a that second one you did? That was the second one, mm. yeah. The first one was an iPad one. Oh. Um, and that's actually something I, whenever I talk about YouTube and how to do better at YouTube, that was a classic riding the wave, as I like to call it, where new iPads just dropped. I wanted to talk about Lightroom on the iPad. No one else talks about it. So it was like the perfect, that's what got me in the partner program. And then we went from there. Oh, Okay. That makes so much sense. I really appreciate how diligent you are about like finding those those niches, but yep. not stretching yourself to just adapt to a trend. Because that's something like you said, like you were already doing that, something you were already interested in. So you found a way to do it very honestly and authentically, but still capitalize on what was what was going on, which is so cool. You've you've found like a ton of success, especially in, I mean, in the past year, but it's been about two years now where you've been really hitting it hard. Mm -hmm. And recently you've brought on some pretty big sponsors to the channel. We mentioned Squarespace is one and Skillshare is another, which is incredible. Congratulations, first of all. Thank you. Thank you. And with that, like what kind of freedom does that give you as a creative entrepreneur to have big brands like that back the things that you're doing? I would say it's it's kind of double. You get freedoms and you also get some stuff kind of taken away. Mm. Um, mm. Because the creative side of it kind of changes just a little bit, whereas mm. you have to work in association with them sometimes. You mm -hmm. can't just be like, I'm going to make whatever. Um, mm -hmm. So it does change that creative process, but also it gives you more clout so that when you do more videos or you reach out to companies, it's a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. um, recently, you may have seen like I did a video on an ultra wide monitor that I have and that was something that I've reached out for, which I've only reached out like twice and actually had it happen. Mm -hmm. But with that, it was a lot easier now to be like, hey, I've been sponsored by Boom 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 and I've done reviews on La 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 mm -hmm. and there it is rather than just being like, hey, guys, so I, I kind of do YouTube. And, yeah. You know, and then they're like, nah, no. <laughs> so it was nice for once to be able to come out the gate with all these numbers. You know, I was like, here's my 2020 and I gained like 50K subs and mm -hmm. this, that and other. And then they were just like, yes, where do we send it? And I was like, wow. Yeah. It's, so that's, that's the biggest thing. It almost feels like yeah, the content okay. creator space, your portfolio almost is your suite of like analytics and sponsors and that can be good and bad for sure because it, it makes you start to care about those things more than you should sometimes. Uh, I feel that for sure. I, there's like, I feel like there's so many correlations to uh, your growth and my growth and experiencing like all of these things at the same time. Um, but yeah, I totally know what you mean about it doesn't change my creativity or what I want to make. But that lingering thought in the head of like, okay, but this still needs to be approved by the sponsor before it goes live. And there's a part of you that's like, I'm really, really thankful, of course, that I'm getting paid to do this. But there's that other part where it's just like, I would also love to just make everything by myself and, you know, still be my own boss. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> but I think the beauty of that is like, you can do that at any time outside of your sponsored videos. You know, you can mm -hmm. do whatever the heck you want whenever it's not sponsored. So, yeah. Exactly. Um, but it honestly, it gets a little stressful sometimes too, just having so many sponsors. I think yep. I kind of, I might have taken on too many too mm -hmm. quickly. Cause then it's mm -hmm. like, it goes from, okay, I want to do a video a week. Mm -hmm. And if I lapse, whatever, it's fine to like, oh, I have at least one sponsorship for this person a right. month and two for them and one for that. Yep, yeah. yep. 
Yeah. Yep. Like, I have, have to make videos now. Have you find yourself? Because I'm literally like today pitching a long-term contract to a sponsor for the channel. Does Have you done any of that? Or like, what does that look like? What does that structure look like for you as sponsors? And obviously, I know there's like NDAs and stuff, so I don't want to like yeah. en encroach on any of that. But whatever you're you know willing to share in that structure. Yeah, definitely. I actually haven't done too much reaching out to sponsors yet. Mm -hmm. That was actually one of my 2021 goals. I have so far been reaching out for products. Mm. That's been the, cause those are very straightforward where it's like, you know, hey, I wanna review your product. You get the product that is the payment and then it's fine. Half the time they don't even do contracts, right? which is mm. scary. I know. Really, if you think about marketing, it's really, really it's a win for the businesses because back in the day they had to spend so much money to go to like a oh, marketing yeah. firm, to make a commercial, mm -hmm. to get the audio mix, to get the video. Now they can just go find some rando and be like, hey, you want our product? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and they just mark it off on their sheets. Oh, that was yeah. only like $900, whatever. Right. It, like they yeah. break that much product mm -hmm. half the time right. delivering it. Yep. So like, I'm sure. It's but so yeah, that's, my, that's yeah. my biggest goal is to reach out to sponsors. Yeah, I'm starting mm -hmm. to see that the the more and more I see success with specific sponsors, whether it's we're looking at analytics and seeing conversion rates and seeing like which sponsors make more sense for my audience. Those are the ones I'm starting to go, okay, it'd be really beneficial for both of us to figure out some sort of long-term agreement where, you know, I'm making one or two sponsor videos for you per month so that I don't have to like worry or think about different sponsors coming in and, you know, having three in one month, but then none the next, you know, and, having that some sort of consistency where that's similar to how I feel with Patreon. It's like, if I can lock something like that in, then I'm going to be much more prone to outsource a lot more. Just be like, Hey, can you edit this many videos per month? Or, Hey, can you, you know, help with my Patreon upload structure? So, yeah. Yep. That is actually, that is, and see, that's the goal too. I think a lot of people get into YouTube and they don't think about the business side. Mm -hmm. But that's that's very much more a business mindset, which is where I'm trying to get at as well. Because um, even like I batch recorded like four or five videos the other mm. day and have edited wow. none of them. Yeah, but you still recorded <laughs> so I'm like five. I need an editor. Dude, that's so impressive that you got four or five done in Can't, one sitting. I'm that's so incredible. <laughs> I need your discipline so badly. Well, I was just <laughs> that's like once in every three months. Sure, I just happen to do it. <laughs> I, uh, I talked to, I was talking to Daniel Inskeep last night. Um, he's half of Mango Street. We, he was one of our first, mm -hmm. uh, him and Rachel were one of our first episodes, but they, they've been struggling a lot recently with balance because they have three different channels right now. And he's like, man, it's so stressful to like, we're not weekly anymore on Mango Street. It's just too hard to do all that. So they're, they're finally hiring an editor and, um, and he's talking about how the, the perfection can be so crippling in a YouTube space, like in a, an online content business, um, yeah. having that perfection is just like, that will cripple you. And so getting things to 80 or 90% is what can like keep you going. I thought that was super profound to hear. You obviously shoot weddings and as all of us wedding photographers and filmmakers in 2020 experienced, like that just <laughs> didn't happen for like a whole year. And, uh, so you're, you're still shooting them. Yes. You're still yeah. in it. Um, what do you see? I know this is like the age old question, but 
do you see yourself pivoting out of it? Do you see yourself staying in it, educating in it? What are next steps? Oh, for yeah, you? that's always that is the question. So I'm mean, kind of thinking about that, especially after YouTube last year, because YouTube last year proved like, hey, you can make enough to sustain because you made like nothing in photography. Mm-hmm. Um, so from that, I've kind of leaned into I'm probably still going to do weddings for a couple of years at least. Um and just scale it back. Mm-hmm. So even mm-hmm. after last year, I raised my prices and I'm planning on only taking 10 weddings. I've I've been just taking them as they come for now. Um, I'm very, I like to serve my couples and I can't remember what video it is you did. It was an older one where you really just went into like, almost like the purpose of it. So yep, yep. Good. And the ending of the video, it just had like music and mm-hmm. and that that's how I approach weddings as well. Like this is about the people having a special day that will live on throughout their family. Mm-hmm. So this year, especially mm-hmm. after last year, I've just been kind of taking them as they come and, you know, leaving space for myself and my family as well. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I would love to get to a point where I'm taking like five to 10, if, if even, and then raise my prices to a place that's reasonable for the couples, but also reasonable for me to do five or 10 mm-hmm. and yep. kind of go from there. Keep leaning on the educating, leaning on YouTube and just kind of, See where I'm a very roll with the punches kind of guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting to see how what was your main business in wedding photography could ultimately almost end up being like your side hustle again, as your side hustle of YouTube grew to a point where now that could be maybe the main money maker and then it's just kind of cool to see how like those kind of shift a little bit and then like you said you can maybe put more time and attention into each of those couples that you're able to serve and work with and that's just a cool like dichotomy to see as it as it like progresses forward yeah definitely also too like being able to spend more time with the couples i think is huge because i think it was 2019 or 2018 when i had 40 weddings yeah and you know like i just remember being like people email me and i'm like i who are you yeah who where <laughs> mm-hmm. you show yeah. up to the wedding oh yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. it's like the worst feeling it is yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just not possible with that many people but yeah it's it's all in balance you know and like some people dedicate all of their time to 40 couples because they're not running a youtube channel or they don't have a side hustle and they're like able mm-hmm. to de- but even even getting up into those numbers doing it exclusively is still like that's difficult and yeah, I don't want this conversation to ever be one that's like discouraging to anyone who's like passionately pursuing wedding photography or wedding filmmaking, um, because there are people who have done it for two, three decades and are still happy doing it. Um, but yeah, it's I just find it super interesting to hear everybody's perspective on what they want to keep doing. Like for me, mm-hmm. um, it makes a lot of sense for me to continue doing it in the same like limited capacity. Because I would still love to be able to be inspiring people on the educational side of showing them BTS of me still shooting weddings and doing that thing and almost taking an approach of, and I don't know if it's sustainable over the course of the next five to 10 years, but even just taking a mentality of like, it's not uncool to shoot weddings. Like I still think it's a very cool and amazing career. And I think a lot of people need to to be self-aware and recognizing that not everybody can have a YouTube channel and a successful one that Mm -hmm. pays them money. And like Mm -hmm. that is a virtuous and amazing job and career for someone to have for a very long Mm -hmm. period of time. So 
I think it's cool um, to, to balance that because I don't want anybody listening to feel discouraged and be like, oh, well, then I'm going to need to pivot out of weddings, you know, in, in five years because, um, you know, guests on rally caps do it. So I feel like no, it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that, too, because I feel like I've I've almost seen that sentiment kind of rolling through the wedding industry, at least for like all of us cool kid wedding photographers, yeah. as I like to call this. <laughs> but, you know, like everyone's just like, so when are you pivoting? When right. are you moving out of right. weddings? Like, why? Like, I know. I get that yeah. can be a little rough on your body, but they're not that bad. And if you kind of focus in to what specifically you want to do, mm-hmm. again, at the end of the day, for me, it's about the couples. And, you know, I really enjoy weddings. I actually, half of my story with weddings, which I tell a lot of my couples, so I'm the eldest son of the eldest son. So I was like the first kid. So all my cousins, all everyone was younger than me. John Branch. So I was the like the ring. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, <laughs> the other John Branch. I also, I have a fifth too. So yeah. I'm making a Whoa. dynasty. Oh, <laughs> dude. JB5? Oh my gosh. That is amazing. I'm going to instill him and be like, you have to have a six. I want to see a six within my lifetime. Oh, that's so cool, man. Uh, but. Because I was the eldest of the eldest, I was the ring bearer in like everybody's weddings. Mm. So weddings to me also just are endearing because I grew up in them. Like literally, I was a ring bearer at least five times, I'm pretty sure. I even have a picture somewhere where I'm just like in my white tuxedo looking fresh, you know? (laughs) See, I I love weddings. So even the pivoting for me has been more so it just kind of happened that way. Sure. At first, YouTube was just kind of like, I guess I'll do it. And then now it's like, oh. So now I'm like, okay. Because even like you were saying the same thing. I'm like, well, I'll back off of weddings, but I still have some. I can focus Mm -hmm. on my couples. Mm -hmm. I can use that for YouTube content. You know, like it just makes more sense. It gives Mm -hmm. me time and then I can divvy it out that way rather than trying to overload myself with weddings and overload myself with YouTube and Mm -hmm. be like, I have to take as much as possible. Now I got to figure out where the pivot. Like I just... Just yeah. do what you love and live life, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I oh man, I want to go off script a little bit here for a second because I feel like being as well thought out as you are and like how you are, you're type A, right? Like you're so organized. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, you are. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm just, I'm interested even kind of on the personal side with like um, what your, what kind of your five, 10 year plan is like, what is, what does long-term look like for you? Um, for, for us, like I was the past few years is like, we bought our condo. I've been very interested in real estate being like a big part of equity in, um, you know, in our total group of assets. And we want to keep the condo as we move into a house. So what does that kind of look like? I think a lot of creative people don't really think about long-term like that, but I'm just so interested, like dad to dad and dad talk. <laughs> yeah. What are your thoughts on all that? That's always for first off, I have to tell you, I just I love having other like dad photographer friends, yes. especially in that same, like we both have three kids. Yeah. It's very similar. I, I love it's always like, yeah. Uh-huh. Um so yes, I think about that kind of stuff all the time. I don't feel like I plan very far in advance, because again, I'm a very roll with the punches. However, I do like to have kind of foresight on where I want to go. Mm. And then if something changes within that, then yep. I just kind of. Um, so me and my wife, we actually just paid off all of our debt. 
at the end of 2020. Heck yes. Um, that was a long Amazing. time coming. So we finally did that. So debt's gone. What kind of debt was um, it? Student loan? Yeah, mainly student loan. There was credit card too. So I had, yeah, oh, I can't believe I paid off all that stuff in 20. That was the biggest thing for me. We were just like, wow. Um, I had a bunch of business credit card debt, like 30,000. And then we had student loan debt, which we had already been paying since Squarespace. That yeah. was, I don't know, like 80,000 or something. Wow. But yeah, we, fin we finished all that. Um, now we're saving and the next kind of move would be a house. Um, and then, yeah, I've been thinking about investing and stuff like that too. I don't know if I want to get into real estate. However, I'm super interested because <laughs> I also, I'm a, I'm a risk taker too. I love, I love risk taking. So <laughs> to me, real estate is, is basically gambling. It's yeah. just like, it, but it's like a proper gambling, I guess. Yeah. You it's like it. a safe, it's a safe gamble for sure. Yeah, where you're like, cool, I could buy this house. Maybe we'll buy our first house. We'll live in there, make it all nice, move out somewhere else, keep it as a rental property, go on from there. So I have been thinking about that, um, been investing and stuff more in stocks and all that. But yeah, that's pretty much the plan for now. My wife wants to have more kids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> JB6, JB7, JB12. Just keep. They all look very much like me too, so people <laughs> joke that I were making a clone army because it's just like they all look like you, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> bunch of little John branches running around. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's the plan: more kids in a house at some point. That's the main, and that's what we'll do. We'll set goals, and then within the goal, we'll kind of pivot around to what it needs to be. Have you heard of NFTs? Well, what are old? NFTs? I've kind okay, of heard wait, of it, Steven, but I don't understand it. Steven, yeah. Yeah. Drop drop. I mean, I am extremely fungible. <laughs> Me. I am very fungible. <laughs> this digital piece of art, super not fungible. That's that's the extent that I understand it right now. Okay. So you need me no. to define it? <laughs> no. No. There's there's a much better definition. Now, Eric and I have been talking about this a lot recently, and there's it seems like there's a lot of different directions you could go with it. And I'm still trying to grok a lot of that. Yeah. But the way Eric and I boiled it down to like layman's terms is that for a certain market of creatives and creators and all that, it could almost be like people investing in you as if they were buying stock yeah. in you as a creator. Whoa. Kind of. It's crazy. Depending on how you structure it. Like it mm -hmm. there's a lot of different ways you could go with I it. I would but. highly recommend if you haven't seen it yet, anybody listening, Colin and Samir, they made a mm -hmm. video like exclusively about it a week or two ago. Um yep. at the time of this podcast launch, it'll be like a month or a month and a half old. Um, if yeah. you just go back, I think the thumbnail is like Logan Paul holding a jar. Then it's like free air or of something. Air. Yeah. It's, it's like a 25 minute video, but they break it all down. NFT stands for non fungible token, which is like a it's a unique piece of art or something online that can be purchased as a digital asset. Uh, but through blockchain and through, you know, what um, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and Ethereum run on you can solidify that you've purchased this digital asset and that nobody else can own it unless you sell it. Yeah. Um, and so what I've kind of recognized in this space is that there are really two camps of people using it. It's one's digital artists that are making digital pieces and then selling them. And I think most of them are selling them um, for Ethereum. 
um, the cryptocurrency Ethereum, and which is always fluctuating as well. But yep. so that's one camp, and those things are going for you know thousands or tens of thousands, hundreds, even millions, um, mm -hmm. which is nuts. But people are buying them as investments to resell later as art pieces, basically. And so wow. there's that whole crazy side, which I think Daniel just made a video about it too, where he thinks, you know, that might be a bubble that bursts where people are way overpaying for these things and they're not going to be able to resell them eventually. Mm -hmm. But they're even doing like NBA, like videos of guys dunking, and then you can sell that NFT. What's really cool oh, about wow. that. I think what's really cool about that part is you can sign up to have as the original artist, you can have a commission every time it's resold. Um, so there's that, but then I, this is what I'm really interested in hearing from you is this whole other part that Colin and Samir kind of touch on is like, you could basically make your own currency as a creator. And so you could make like the, the JB4 token or whatever. And <laughs> oh, what a cool token that would be too. <laughs> J oh my J gosh. How many JBibs you got? How does that convert to shroot bucks? Shroot tell bucks. Tell me. Tell me. <laughs> um, it sounds so silly. And like, of course, you don't have to name it something like that. But <laughs> yeah. the crazy thing about it is you could you could make as many as you want. So you could make like a thousand tokens for your channel and you could sell them for ten dollars a piece, like ten dollars per token. But then the way this whole side of the NFTs work is, so each of those is an individual NFT that you're selling um, that could be transferable, uh, but only one person can own one token at a time. Um, and what you could do is you could sell, say, each of them for $10 a piece. And if someone owns 10 tokens, they have access to your online workshop or they have access to this thing or whatever. And so mm. the tokens are exclusive um, and hold value for extra content that you make or a workshop that you put on in real life or something that you're giving away, you know, you have access to this giveaway if you have five or more tokens. And so you can kind of use it as a digital currency for your own brand. And the crazy thing for me is like my mind immediately went to, cause everybody on Twitter and they said this in the video as well. Everybody on Twitter says like, Oh, I wish I could buy stock in this creator or whatever. And mm, yeah. this is potentially a way that creators can like make stock for their own businesses because out of all the people that own your coins or whatever, you could then have like shareholder meetings and you could pay dividends to those people who are invested in you as well. And they would want to see, they would want to see your growth too, because if they're invested in your coins, they want to see your channel grow. They're going to watch every video. They're going to like and subscribe and comment and do all those things. My mind has just been like buzzing on this idea. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I could see that being the future of this decade with, with content creators. So I just dropped all that on you, but what like what do you think? How do you what do you think about that? That's that's crazy. I I again I've kind of heard of NFTs, kind of, mm -hmm. but don't understand at all whatsoever. Um, however, creating your own kind of shares would be cool. Yeah, especially when it comes to like people investing in you. I I almost don't even know if I can like fathom how that could right. It's just so cool. My my mind to immediately think like go ahead. Yeah. Just like someone investing in you and then your your coins like growing and then more people investing in you because they just see you're doing great. Like take take someone like uh Peter McKinnon. Imagine if he right. oh when gosh. he started had his own coin 
Mm-hmm. You, you know, like it just right. would have been crazy. Like, cause when he started blowing yep. up, then more people would have tried to invest in it and then it would have. And the coins increase in value then too, just like stocks. Um, and my mind starts to immediately go to, okay, well, they actually interviewed somebody who basically runs a business trying to set up these systems for creators. And so it's mm-hmm. like, could you create a group of people or a business that provides infrastructure for creators? Or maybe there's a whole group of creative people where like we actually all have the same currency and we all like in the photo video YouTube space, we have the whatever coin and like it's transferable between all of this pool, these pool and this pool of creators. And you can, you know, you could buy my, or you could have my online workshop if you have 10 of these coins, but you could also go to John's thing and, you know, I just find it super, super interesting. It's, it's mm-hmm. so mutually beneficial because if they're invested and then your, um, your channel growth means that whatever coins they own or whatever NFTs they own are going to keep increasing in value, that's a great investment for them while they learn as well. So, yeah. yeah. I'm going to spend all day looking up that stuff. I know, right? <laughs> Searching. <laughs> what does fungible mean? Yeah. Okay. Fungible. Right. I'm, I need I'm to getting understand. There. Yeah. <laughs> It's the future. Sorry, it's I future. I don't normally I don't normally talk that much in episodes, but I'm just like I'm so interested by it. I am I feel like I want to make a video it's about that specifically soon. Oh yeah, do it. And I just want to like I'm just very interested in talking to more creatives and seeing what they think about it because some people are like mm-hmm. I don't want to touch that. That sounds crazy. Um, but I I figured some I figured knowing you you would be interested and in, at least interested in something like that. So oh it's yeah, pretty cool. I'm always an early adopter too of most things. Yeah. I love the beta mm-hmm. test. I'm I'm in there usually. I'll just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I'm in there first thing. Well, Daniel Daniel collaborated with someone for his first NFT and it was the more artistic one and he created the music track for um for an animation. And mm-hmm. it's currently uh the bid is currently $8800. I'm just like it's nuts. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I know. But yeah, Logan Paul's selling like millions based on like they're like playing yeah. cards, digital playing cards. So yeah, super interesting. Yeah, he made himself a Pokemon yeah. basically yeah. and turned himself into a Pokemon card, and that's what people <laughs> bought. And he made he made like five million dollars in a couple days. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. The Absolutely future. crazy. The the future. Future. Yeah. yeah, I need to look up more and, and at least understand it. I think what's yeah. funny is maybe like by the time this episode drops, it's like it's not a thing anymore and we just sound like idiots. <laughs> yeah. It was like NFTs. That was like yesterday. The future stock that market. So are you kidding me? No way. Yeah. <laughs> These guys are idiots. They don't know what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> well, maybe it's a bring things back down to, <laughs> to a, a, a solid <laughs> level. Um, <laughs> I could just say the word gear, maybe. Maybe that'll ring people's ears who mm. are listening to this right gear, now. And they'll be like, whoa, gear. wait, what did he say? I love that stuff. Uh, <laughs> but actually, I am I am curious, John. I feel like a lot of the stuff on YouTube that talks about gear and tech and stuff, almost always you're going to see like Canon and Sony, Canon versus Sony and all this stuff. But as we touched on in the intro, you're a Fujifilm ambassador, and that's incredible mm-hmm. because it, it feels in a lot of ways that Fuji is doing like some of the coolest stuff in digital cameras, but it's not hyped up 
as much by people <laughs> that do the reviews and like do the head to head comparisons mm-hmm. and stuff like that. What got you connected with Fuji in the first place? So Fujifilm, actually, so my mentor, Phil Porto, I don't know if you know him. Yeah, I know Phil. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not definitely check him out. So yeah, I actually used to shoot for Phil um, and to give you the whole story again. So I had been shooting weddings for two years already. And until workshop, I didn't feel mm. like I was really a wedding photographer. I was just like out there shooting weddings. I'm so grateful that nothing horrible happened at any weddings because I, I barely knew what I was doing. <laughs> Um, so two years of shooting weddings, literally having no idea what I'm doing. I went to workshop and also at workshop, I met Phil and then Phil was like, I'm looking for New York people to shoot for me. Cause he's from there, but he lives in Florida. Mm. And I was like, cool. And we met and it was just like, boom, there it is. He was like, yes, you're on the team. And I was like, yay. <laughs> um, and then, so he made me second at a couple of his weddings just to learn his own style mm-hmm. and also just teach me more about weddings. And at one of them, he shoots Fuji. And he was like, hey, hey, just just hold this in your hand. And I was like, <laughs> And then this, like, literally, like, I touched the Fujifilm camera, and I was like, there it is. And it was funny, too, because even my wife, she always likes to back up, like, the back end of everything. She always makes everything, like, solidified. All this room, this was mainly her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she was, like, looking into Fujifilm, because we both had no idea she was like, yeah, just the company itself, we really feel, I feel like that's you. It feels like mm-hmm. you, who you are as a person. And I was just like, yep, sold all my Canon gear immediately and kind of just jumped in there. Because, yeah, Fuji feels good. I think that's the thing about Fujifilm. It, it has this feeling to it. Hmm. I think that's something a lot of people don't consider when they're thinking of gear and in any creative space. It's uh, A lot of times it's just about the the analytics it's just about the specs all that stuff uh but similarly in film photography when you're dealing with when you're dealing with the same you know type of film in the back of every single camera like the user experience is one of the most important things outside of the glass you have on the camera as well so mm-hmm. i really feel that with having getting in uh to to film photography as well. I feel there's a strong comparison to that where I love hearing you say like, I've got it in my hands. And then you're like, it's that like holy grail moment where you're just like, oh, <laughs> like something connected. <laughs> and sometimes that's all it takes, right? With something that is gonna motivate you to do something more or it doesn't have to be exactly. these specs that motivate you to do stuff, but rather how it feels and how it makes you work and is an extension of you versus how cool mm-hmm. it is or how good it is because mm-hmm. i mean yeah, yeah exactly everybody talks about it. it's like it doesn't matter what camera you get today like they're all perfectly fine to get the job yeah done. they're yeah. they're all great that's like i always have a hard time with people what camera should i get they're they're really all good yeah. at this point yeah. the technology is so good it also it was funny one time i was at a camera shop um and they had a mamiya and i wanted to blow oh, it so bad <laughs> but i didn't but i was just in there um, and someone came in looking for a film camera and they're like younger mm-hmm. and they're like, so which one has better quality? And I was just like, wow. Cause that, that's kind of where we've gotten to now because uh-huh. of digital photography. Yeah. But mm-hmm. again, film photography, the stock is what made it look though. So between mm-hmm. the stock and the glass, those are probably the two main points. Other than that, the camera is a box. Mm-hmm. It has a shutter that opens yep. and, and mm-hmm. that's it. It doesn't do anything else. Mm-hmm. 
maybe it has a meter so maybe it's better than the other one because the meter's good mm -hmm. that's about it right um and i feel that way with digital photography now too when you start looking at it because again you know fujifilm's mainly crop sensor oh, oh i can't shoot weddings and crops <laughs> you know <laughs> and you know i've been doing it for like four years and i'm like it's it's okay it's fine but again you have to you have to know your gear you have to know it you know like i know there's certain things i can't do that a full frame camera could. I know mm -hmm. my limits of my camera. Mm -hmm. um, I know that I can get shots more in focus wide open because it's cropped. And mm -hmm. so like shooting F2 is fine. Whereas, you know, full frame, a new person gets a camera they're like, oh, why is everything out of focus? Cause you can't, you just can't shoot wide open unless you really know your situation or maybe you want it a little out of focus or. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's one of those kind of things like understanding the gear versus just being like, again, you you know like the like the Sony A one because thirty frames a circuit. Okay, if you don't shoot sports, you know like don't come at me like my camera shoots thirty frames. When yep. do you use that? I just took five thousand photos of the couple walking in from the procession, yeah. and I'll call out two of them. Yeah. <laughs> Why? I didn't miss a single moment. Well, yeah, but, but you also you got all just done that if you timed it better. Like, what? Oh, the calling takes forever. The calling yeah. takes so long. Well, yeah, you have too many photos. But again, you know, that's cool. It's great. I love seeing the technology too. So yeah. Sony A1 gets announced and I'm hype. Right. Am I going to mm -hmm. buy it? No, but a 30 frame, full frame camp, that's insanity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, with like the Sony's autofocus on the face is great. So like for me mm -hmm. as a photographer, I'm like, wow. Mm -hmm. But I know realistically, I don't like, need that. I personally don't need that. Do you feel the same yeah. way about technology? Like a new iPad comes out or a new iPhone comes out? Like, how do you feel about in that realm? Because on the personal side, I feel like so many people see the Apple event and they're like, got to have that new thing when they just don't need it, especially if they have debt. It's crippling them to keep buying those things. And it's like, mm -hmm. it's not sustainable for their business because like, I can't do this thing now because I need to book this because I bought the Apple Watch. <laughs> you know, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. You know, I, f I feel the same way. And especially again, working at Apple, um, I one of my hugest pet peeves I had while I worked there is someone comes in and they're like, give me the best iPad. And it's like, okay, so technically there's not a best. Yeah. What are you looking to do with it? Right. Give me the best one. The most expensive, the biggest gigs. Mm -hmm. And then they like read books on it. You know, like I always had a hard time with that. So it's that same thing. Sure. Um, and I actually, I just had a conversation with someone in like the YouTube comments where I was talking about the new uh, Fujifilm GFX 100S. Uh -huh. And I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm probably going to get some, you know, it's like $6,000. So yeah. they're like, okay, so are you going to charge more to recoup your losses from buying the gear? And I was like, that's not... That's not the way we should be thinking, mm. especially as business owners. Mm. Like, I mm. can't charge you more because I spent my money. That yeah. doesn't even make sense. Mm. Um, so it's that same kind of thing. You really have to weigh out your upgrades. Like, mm. you have to weigh out, first off, just the, you know, what do they call it? Gas, like the gear acquisition. Mm. You have to weigh that out. You got to weigh out how much you just, just you, do you want it? Because um, you have to weigh out how beneficial it is. And then you have to weigh out if it makes sense as a purchase. And all of those things together is what makes like the, okay, I should go ahead and buy this because I think it'll be a worthwhile investment mm -hmm. in the long term. I think it's cool. Preach. It, it'll help me in these couple of places. Great. And then, 
again, if if your business is really rolling the way it should, you should already have money saved for gear mm-hmm. buying anyway. Mm-hmm. But if you're taking a hit for it, you could sell some gear. And then you should know based on how much money you'll make, that'll be fine because at the end of the year, that's a tax write-off and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So it's like just that that thought process of being like, well, if I bought something, time to charge more. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. That's, uh, I 1000% agree with all of that. Um, I think it's really important for people to understand that concept because, I mean, I, I feel like we all, all three of us also feel very passionate about the whole idea of paying off debt and feeling that freedom. Mm-hmm. You clearly already did that last year. You're taking those steps. How does it feel? Like, how does it feel having that stuff gone? Like, what do you feel as a creative now with all that weight it's lifted? It's so crazy. Well, even a, a great example. So the way I got into working for myself, like we literally just left. I quit, like just out of the blue. I had no weddings in North Carolina. It was literally the the whole situation, and not to make the story too long, but we were living in a two-family home, and the old people who owned the home downstairs were just, like, old and mean. Mm-hmm. And so we had kids who, like, our daughter's starting to walk. They're like, oh, it's too loud on the floor. She's a baby trying to walk, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and they just always, and it got to a point at one point that they were like, you can't use water after 10 p.m. because it's too loud. And we were like... We're leaving. So we <laughs> yeah. literally, I went to work the we're next out. day and was like, two week notice. And they were like, word? And I was like, yes. <laughs> do you have anything lined up? No, I do not. Wow. And we literally, we barely found wow. the place we're in now and just left. We had some money saved and we were like, there it goes. We're going to do it. And so like, I can't, I can't remember <laughs> the main part I was talking about. But um, that stuff. The main point. Yeah. What was the main point? <laughs> it was we were talking about paying off the debt. Then you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Be, because of that, because of focusing on paying off debt and stuff, technically, I don't have to work as hard. And that's something I actually wanted to make a video on that at mm-hmm. some point. This mentality that me and my wife have about how, you know, a lot of people go into things thinking like, oh, I have to make all this money. Like, oh, we can't have kids because it's so expensive. But you really kind of decide where your money kind of leans. So, Mm -hmm. for instance, like if we want to have lots of kids, then I know I can't go on trips all the time. So the money leans towards having the kids. Mm -hmm. Um, Same thing. We live like way under our means, Mm -hmm. way under our means. So because of that, even if I didn't want to, I don't have to work as hard. Mm -hmm. Now, I can work hard and then I just have more money. But it's that same kind of thing. Like we, yeah, we are driving in an old 2006 Accord two-door with three kids. That's what's up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we're saving our... And we're way... We're, obviously, a new car is, like, kind of first priority right now. But mm-hmm. um, it's that kind of thing. Like, my car is paid off. It's been paid off. All I have to pay is insurance. That keeps all of my bills low mm-hmm. so that if I have a month on YouTube, like, last month... where ad revenue is just like way down for no reason i'm not Mm -hmm. like you know then it's just kind of like oh well the bills are paid we're comfortable we're eating yeah and that's that's really that that's always my main goal you know like my main goal in in the first place even when i met my wife and we're we're weird like we're like one of those like power couples and i'm not trying to name myself but we were like you are she was like i want to get married i want to have kids and i was like great I want to provide for family. That's all I want. And she was like, cool, awesome. Great. Let's go. Boom. And we just like, 
<laughs> so like that's my main goal. Like if I wasn't a wedding photographer, if I wasn't doing YouTube, as long as I was providing for my family, mm -hmm. that's what makes me feel accomplished. Yeah. How I do it, I don't care. Um, and I've I've gone on about that before. I have this theory about finding your kind of your process of what defines success. Mm. And when you find the process of success, it doesn't matter what you do. So for me, I like to have an idea, create the thing from that idea, and then see the end goal. If I mm. have those, no matter what I'm doing, I'm fine with it, which is why I had a hard time at Squarespace. Mm. Nothing against Squarespace, but it was just normal, very corporate. So sometimes if I had an idea, then I had to go through all this red tape and it takes time mm -hmm. and you got to test it and then, and, and I, I just, mm. I couldn't, it didn't work for that progress that I like to have. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's the long answer. <laughs> the best. It's like, that's my, that's my favorite topic in business. That's what, it's the, like the thesis of this podcast and our philosophy always is that long-term view is what can be sustainable for you. It gives you the freedom to pretty much pursue whatever the heck you want. You get rid of the debt, you lower mm -hmm. the spending, and the world is yours. And we just, uh, Mike and I started a new finance channel and we just last month did Frugal February where we just spent as little as we could. And it ended up being one of the most profitable months of my entire, the history of my business. And so seeing that gap of like, this is the most I've ever made and the least I've spent in the past three years. And see, it basically was just like, okay, well, there's pretty much the down payment on our house. Like, that's yep. <laughs> insane. Like, and that's not possible if, like, we're carrying a ton of credit card debt and the student debt and the car note and all this stuff. That, that gap narrows so much more. And so... Obviously, like I can assume that in the years to come, you probably will want to upgrade the Accord, you know, when it feels more comfortable to get, you know, a minivan or whatever, the next car. But I know like your mentality is like you're not going to do that until you feel like that gap is is wide enough to feel comfortable to do that. Exactly. Yeah. It's epic, man. This is an understatement, but John, you're just so freaking wholesome, man. Yes. This is so much fun to just talk with you <laughs> about up. all of this stuff. And I really <laughs> hope like... everyone listening and watching feels the same way because this is just <laughs> so encouraging to hear all of this talked about in a really humble and down-to-earth way. And you've been so objectively successful and you could have let all of it go to your head and you could have started to live above your means mm -hmm. and like all of these things. And you've just kept it so so grounded the entire time and that's just so impressive i feel like that should be recognized thank you thank you yeah we we try our best actually to <laughs> go back into this frugalness even um and again like i said my wife is the backbone so um after we saw in 2019 that i was able to make a little bit of money mm -hmm. so this youtube space is actually our master bedroom mm -hmm. so like that's how serious we are about stuff wow. too wow. where i was like i need a space and she was like take the master and i was like wow Okay, so like I have the biggest space, wow! Just just for YouTube, so I can shoot in multiple angles. So, again, it's you know, having a team, a teammate to help you out too. I think is a huge part of also staying frugal because it's hard. And you know, we 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 also we love to spend money. So you know, get us on the right page, and we're both just like, cha -cha 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 -cha. <laughs> she was like, I want to buy this thing that's mad expensive. And I was like, that thing looks cool. Cha -cha -cha -cha. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. But yes, we we try our best to just, you know, live in the here and now and 
be be grateful for what we have, work for what we want, mm-hmm. and yeah, keep the spending as low as possible so that you have the money to be able to get things that you mm-hmm. want. And you can still that's I I don't like the misconception that people think that like if you are trying to save money or pay off debt that you can't do anything fun. And that's not the case because even yeah. mm-hmm. when we started doing it, we kind of took the Dave Ramsey approach. But I, again, because I like to roll with the punches, I'm not a fan of like, let me write every single dollar yep. into the debt only. Agreed. So yep. the trade-off is yes, it takes us longer to pay off the debt, but we have comforts. Mm-hmm. Like if I want to buy a video game, obviously there's a budget for that and it's lower, mm-hmm. not like I'm just buying every game that comes out. Mm-hmm. I have to wait and I have to choose like, okay, this is the one I really want, but I have that. Or like we'll have a couple of like envelopes or goals where we'll let them roll over for a while mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. if for some reason we want to go party, we'll just wait three months and now you got your party money. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like mm-hmm. Rather yeah. than being like, every dollar has to go to the debt. It's, sure. it's too strict. For sure. Yeah, as long as that mentality is there and you keep chipping away at it consistently and with intention, that's exactly. what will get you there. Yeah. This is maybe the most important question we're going to ask today, but what consoles are you playing on and what are your favorite games? <laughs> so unfortunately, going back to the you can't have everything on the budget, yeah. I actually chose to stop playing on consoles. I sold all my consoles. Okay. Mo- mo- well, the main console. I do most of my stuff on PC now. Um, but I do, like I was showing you all earlier, I have a PlayStation 1 and a GameCube. Um, what I'm playing right now, so I, I always have my handy dandy Switch near and dear to me at all times. Always. Yeah! <laughs> you have to watch um, the video so, version of this, guys. The, the amount of animation John has without passion and use about stuff. You gotta see his facial expressions. So I, what am I, on PC right now, I'm playing, I've been playing The Division 2. That's like my cool. go-to. I love Tom Clancy games. And Horizon Zero Dawn. Which oh, nice. Okay. My sons absolutely love because it's like robot dinosaurs. Um, then on the Switch, Bravely Default 2 just came out. I'm really, I love anything Square Enix, anything Final Fantasy, and mm-hmm. also Animal Crossing. And the oh, funny yeah. thing about Animal Crossing we taught our daughter to read and she's like six and she's reading like whole chapter books at this point. We taught her to read using Animal Crossing because the the catch was you can play, but because the game has a lot of dialogue, you have to read mm-hmm. all of it. And because she yeah. wanted to so badly, <laughs> she she learned to read real quick. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> so now it's like, can I play Animal Crossing? You're like, great. She's just reading the whole, I'm like, wow, how can you, wow. Okay. <laughs> That's maybe the best use of a video game I've ever heard. Like, teach your daughter how to read. Animal Crossing. There we go. Best of both worlds. Yep, exactly. They get to That's play amazing. some. And it's like, it's such a... Animal Crossing is like probably the best kid game ever known on the face of the... Like, there's nothing to do in it, really. There's no real goal. There's goals, but there's no, like... It's like, like you go collect apples and fish. Yeah. You know, like talk to the animals. It's a completely different language to me. It's I awesome. have no idea what you guys are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's a console? What's a, what? what? Video games? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's what I'm playing now. Cool. Those are my go-tos at the moment for the, cool. the little time I have. Okay. But we don't talk video games on this yeah, podcast. This is a first. Often, but... 
I often. I love them very much. So it's it's fun to <laughs> we don't talk about to chat this about often. it. We do, we don't talk about it. Mean, I, I could go on forever. <laughs> Ever. I actually I actually have been itching for the longest time to make a gaming channel. <laughs> that's how much oh I'm into games. Gosh. That's for real. That's Dude, a, I'd that's watch a goal you stream Steven. on Twitch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's definitely a market for it. <laughs> oh, I actually not to go on about games too. <laughs> um, I don't know if no, you've heard please. about the game Stardew Valley. It's like a farming oh. game, but I recently got the board game that they made. Um, There's a board game version? It's a board game. It's cool. I was playing it with my daughter the other day. It's really cool. It's cool. I, I like, can relate to that one. I made a board game. I, that is awesome. I taught my six-year-old Monopoly the other day, and he bankrupted yeah. me, and I like, couldn't have been any more <laughs> proud. It was amazing. Yeah. You're like, Yes. Yes, yes, take my money. You understand business. You get it. You, you get it. <laughs> I'm like planting seeds. I'm like, save your money. Save your money. Don't spend it on that property yet. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Ooh, that's my next. Oh, I want to. Growing up, I was never like the math. I hate math. And actually, mm-hmm. funny enough, going to a music school, I thought I was running away from math. I found out <laughs> no. the hard way no. that music is math. <laughs> is math. Actually, it was funny. So, I, so I majored in music synthesis, right? So that's like creating sound. Mm-hmm. So first off, you have to learn things like acoustics, which mm-hmm. is literally just physics. And I was like, ah. Mm-hmm. And then I was watching some documentary and they were like, the the person who made the first like, you know, 12 note scale was Pythagoras. And I was like, Pythagoras? You mean like the Pythagorean theorem? And I was like, ah. <laughs> Screw, you're like, <laughs> get. Man, I was just yeah. like, music Flips is mad. Table. No. Isn't that that math dude? <laughs> Why is he doing music? No. <laughs> but yeah, now, especially with money, I'm like, math, let's go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, while I teach my kids, that's my plan is to be like, I'm going to do an allowance, but it has to be kind of like Animal Crossing. Like, you need to know how to add. And then once we get to mm. multiplication, we'll start talking about interest. And mm-hmm. then we'll start doing percentages. Yep. <laughs> and just like make it applicable. Mm-hmm. Well, I do want to leave you with one last question and it's just very simply like what what do you see the next five to ten years looking like do you see yourself still doing YouTube do you have and so we sort of touched on it a little bit but do you still feel kind of that mentality of rolling with the punches how do you feel about that yeah definitely oh man five years I'll be yeah, how, how old are you 40 years old man I can't believe no you way. look like you're 27. <laughs> Yeah, what? I age like fine wine. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be young forever. Yeah, I'm 36 now. I just turned 36. So, yeah, five years I'll be 40, which is just... I can't... You know, like when you're young, you're like, yeah, I'll be young forever. Mm-hmm. And then you start getting old, you're like, wow. Um, but yeah, oh, I, I do... Huh? If you... Oh my God, my yeah. knees. What is that? Yeah. You get done with a wedding. You're like, my back went... Yep, yep. Um, definitely YouTube. I definitely will probably be on YouTube. That whole content creation is something, again, that I've been off and on for years. Yeah. Even like with the old channel, I was just literally making content because it was never like, this will be great. I could make money or like, wow. Right. It was just like, I'm making videos, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> also, the whole early adopter thing. I don't know. It was, YouTube looked cool. So mm-hmm. I was doing whatever. Mm-hmm. But, um, I'll definitely be doing YouTube, if anything. Weddings are, you know, questionable. And it's mainly just because of, like, the timing and physicality of it. If anything, I'll keep slowly taking less and less and getting more 
like intimate with the couples. Yeah. Um, but definitely YouTube. Um, I'm hoping <laughs> I've I've had a dream for a long time of not not actually becoming a fitness model, but I've been really into fitness. Yeah. At dude. one point I got really into shape and then I like let it lapse when I started working at Squarespace and having like a family and mm -hmm. stuff. Um, but I actually I just started again. I'm I'm in my third week now and I can like feel it happening. I'm like weighing my food Let's and go. stuff. I'm like itching. I'm like, oh, here it is. It's coming. It came back. Because <laughs> oh, when yeah. I got really in shape, I worked out for like a, a full year, like every week, at least five days a week. Like I was mm -hmm. a full blown gym rat. So that's kind of the current five years is hopefully being super in shape, still doing YouTube and with a little Sprinkling of weddings <laughs> and developing our <laughs> NFT currency together. Okay, cool. Oh so yeah, that's the end Let's, of the episode, guys. <laughs> just, just email, email me about the NFTs. <laughs> Epic man. Well, thank you so much for coming on, John. This was such a fun conversation. One of the most insightful ones, honestly, we've had so far. Just like the full breadth of um, the diversity of your income and like how sustainable over time i think so many people are going to get so much out of it so thank you really appreciate it that's yeah. awesome thank you for having me where can we, we got to link up more often we're, i gotta come up to chicago seriously Actually, i just got an inquiry for a chicago wedding but i'm not free but at some point because i've only been there once you're more than for welcome. a wedding yeah and it was awesome so come to the studio sleep in our new guest room because we just bought a house oh snap we can party too What's i can up? break dance oh i don't know if i can even i'm getting old <laughs> after like if you got wood floors i'm spinning on them <laughs> <laughs> two more months of working out you'll be there <laughs> cool man where can people find you online john um everywhere online i'm pretty much jbiv photography that's jbiv photography that's my website instagram youtube so on so forth if, uh, if you all happen to watch this episode on YouTube, please do us a quick favor and like the video and subscribe to the channel. And if you're listening to this episode on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever your streaming favorite streaming service is, uh, please leave us a review as well. It really helps push the show out to more and more people that could benefit from it. And my goodness, I'm sure you're going to benefit from this conversation with John. Seriously, man, thank you so much. Awesome. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Later, JB. Ha, 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 ha.